0: Welcome to all the Social ladies. With CEO of Likeable Media Carrie Kirpin. Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likable Media, and today I am thrilled to have with me Anne Doyle. Anne Doyle has been on the front lines of women's progress for four decades she began her career as a pioneering TV news and sports journalist in the 70s and 80s. For her leadership role in opening sports locker rooms to female reporters, she was inducted into the Michigan Journalism Hall of Fame and then moved to the business world, rising through the ranks at Ford Motor Company to become director of North America Communications. In 2000, Automotive News named her one of the top 100 leading women in the auto industry. She's a single mom who took an early retirement from the corporate fast track to reinvent herself once again, when her son, Kevin, was hitting his teens. And I cannot wait to ask her about that since my daughter's about to hit her teens. (laughs) I love it. And that's when she began working on her book, Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal guest, and I'm so thrilled to have her today. Welcome,
1: Anne. Hi, Carrie. Well, it's great to be with you and to talk about my favorite subject,
0: I, I love it. I love it. And I'm, I'm just, I would love to start just by hearing your story. You know, I, I read a little bit of it, but I think always when you tell a story from, from you and your experience, it would be so much more powerful. I'd love to hear your start to where you are now.
1: Oh, my God! I don't even know. I mean, you're talking. You can do it. You can do it.
0: Years, we want to know. I, mean, I love it. Uh,
1: you know, I mean, I'm one, I think the best thing to say is that I'm just really one example of that generation of American women who came out of the universities in the late 60s and the 70s with very, very big dreams yep. or possibilities for our gender. But we really had very, very few role models and pretty much no roadmap. Uh, It was all hope, very little evidence of what we were dreaming that we could do. And, you know, it's been a long journey. And um, I I feel that, I mean, one of my interesting um, leadership laboratories was being one of the first women, uh, you know, to be hired to do TV sports in 1978. And, you know, what was involved in the test of you know, opening up those sports locker rooms, but I, I also really like to say that you know, there are thousands of women of my generation who had faced similar tests in operating rooms, on construction sites, on assembly lines, in police stations, in fire stations, uh, foreign service officers, all kinds of arenas where we now just take it for granted. That women are uh, in leadership levels, and but if those women hadn't and they were they tended to be all alone, you know I mean it was something we knew that we were part of something bigger than ourselves, and so we didn't really feel as alone as maybe we looked, but that many, many women uh, were just as alone as I was when I was standing outside that's those sports locker rooms trying to find the courage to face myself to walk through those doors. And because they didn't walk away, because they did walk through those doors, and yes, we were tested in many ways once we got in there, um, there are tremendous, um, let's say, highways of opportunity that are paved for women today.
0: And what an amazing gift that is for women today, uh, that, that you all went through that and all took those risks and pushed um, in order for us to have the opportunities that we have. It's, it's pretty incredible.
1: Well, and and I like to say to young women, you know, I mean, please don't squat on our shoulders and please don't be complacent about um, the victories and the progress we've already made because, you know, I think of my generation as kind of like the Marines. You know, we were taking some heavy fire of no, you can't <laughs> uh, and test, you know, right out of school, uh, right out of the universities. And and then the next wave of women and maybe you're part of that generation or um, the next wave of women, you know, there were there were more of them and there were more opportunities. And, yep. you know, if we were the Marines, they were the diplomats, yep. you know, coming next. And that was right. Right. But, you know, they were saying, hey, we're not those troublemaking feminist Right. Pioneering interlopers. But, you know, I'm no feminist, but but we want those opportunities they fought for and And that was right, because it does take different skills to sort of push open doors than to get a seat at the table. But you know if we were the marines and they were the diplomats, in some ways, younger women I don't want to call them tourists because I hope they settle in and and stay a while but they they have they they have no sense in a, a lot of ways, of the jungle that's still around.
0: They probably feel quite confused because it is pretty, the, the concept, I love what you said about the Marines and the diplomats, and, and I definitely grew up in the um, I'm not a feminist, but, mm-hmm. you know, world. Um, they're pro- it's, it's a very, very mixed message. Are you a feminist? Are you not a feminist? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And so they're probably left feeling very confused, I would think, the younger generation of women
1: right because what happened was i mean i mean i i remember what it was like and it was very heady stuff it was incredible joy and it wasn't um you know it, 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 there wasn't the negative pushback right. that i feel today at that time i mean i was a feminist when it was cool <laughs> you
0: know absolutely and, it, and
1: you know and it, it was a, a wonderful thing to feel women on the move and tremendous numbers of men supporting that move and it was really after that that you started to get a, a cultural backlash and pushback that was characterizing some of that as women who, who didn't like men or all these negative things that was not at all part of what that experience was for me.
0: And so how do you then now uh, encourage young women to advocate for their gender and to actually push forward? What, what is the best way to do that, do you think?
1: Well, partly I, um, you know, in my book, one of the things that I did was I felt it was really important to write a chapter on each of those very, very different generations yes. because so that we would understand each other. Yes. Because I think there's still a lot of dissonance among women. We clearly do not support each other. We right. have not, we've barely begun to leverage our collective power in a way that men have been doing for centuries. And we need to do that. And so I, I talk to women about, you know, I mean, I, I want them to read those chapters so that they understand the differences and why those, why they are different in that way and so that we can better understand each other and so that we can um, start supporting each other. And then I like to say, you know, there's another generation. They're not in the workforce yet, but they are coming really fast. And um, I think we have to really inoculate our, our girls. We have to get them younger because, really, the, the sort of um, over-sexualized images yes. that they're just yes. soaked in today yep. is really damaging. It's very damaging, and we know from research now it's very destructive to self-esteem. When you are, um, you know, think of yourself and are positioned repeatedly at drumbeat of you being a, a over-sexualized, yep. that's your that's your. Your, your your ace of spades, that's your best card. Uh, it's very negative in a way that I think is, is worse than so, some of the things that um, I faced as a young girl.
0: And how do we, I mean, I'm a mother of two young girls, one who is entering her, you know, how she's in her tweens, think? 11 and 7. And so they are, okay. yep, yep, so they're getting right into the thick of it. What are we as women yep. to do to help these girls not be subject to these over, you know, hyper-sexualized everything from, from toys, you know, even, even some of the, you know, to, to movies, all of it is really hyper-sexualized, like to um dance outfits, to, to dance routines, like things that they're doing in, in their dance classes. How are we to combat that?
1: We we have to actively combat it, and because that's their only hope, I mean, to throw yep. them a life preserver, because it's a tsunami yep. of culture yep. that's sweeping over them. I mean, you can look around and see it, and so, I mean, as parents, you know, and, and people who are important people in their lives, I mean, we do have a very important, um, you, you know, way to cut through the clutter. I mean, we do have impact there, and so we have to not give up. I mean, definitely hang in there. I was, I'll was i give you an example, um, you know, and, and by, by showing them, exposing them to other things, you know, very, very positive other things. So yeah. that's not all they're getting. But I'll give you an example of um, I was i was in line at McDonald's, you know, drive through the window at McDonald's the other day. And I heard the person say, you know, as I was paying, I heard the, the person say to the next person in line, well, on those Happy Meals, is that a boy or is that a girl? And, you know, I'm like, huh. And so then when I got, then I said to her, "Um, what do you give to, what's the difference between what you give a boy and what do you give to a girl? If it's a Happy Meal, why do you ask if it's a boy or a girl? And they said, oh, boys get Hot Wheels and girls get Barbies. Yeah. So think of the millions, the millions of children, boys as well as girls, who are getting that kind of a message about who they are and what their interests are—really young. It's really unbelievable it's, when you think about it. It's so
0: ingrained it's in our culture. It feels, it can feel so overwhelming, and that because it, it's fighting it is so difficult. But we must. We really must, as advocates and parents of, of young girls, for me specifically, and it's a, it's a very, very important thing. I, I think another area that you mentioned. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pay attention all the time. I agree. Pay attention. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. It's terrifying. I'm like having heart palpitations on this interview. Um, But I will tell you uh, something that you mentioned also really resonated with me, and that's about supporting each other, particularly with the um, advent of social media. You see a lot of open source conversation all the time. And a lot of that conversation resides around the judgment of other women, whether it's their choices or celebrity choices or their parenting choices or, you know, Marissa Meyer takes a shorter maternity leave and the Internet erupts or, you know, Sheryl Sandberg writes Lean In and many women disagree. And so there's all of this kind of attacking going on in social. And, and how can we collectively as women better support one another?
1: Right. I mean, the first thing to do is to, to pay attention, to notice that. And it is a difference between men. Uh, And I heard a quote one time that said, "Men um, admire and follow their strong. Women kill our strong." Oh, wow! Wow! (laughs) That give you goosebumps? Yep.
0: Knock the wind right out of me. Goosebumps. Knock the wind right out of me.
1: And there you have it. (laughs) And there you have it. And until women realize what we're doing to each other, and how we're pulling each other down and competing with one another instead of going for the whole pie and understanding that the human family needs women's voices and values and perspective to balance the the mindset and decisions of men, we're not going to lift the human family. You know, I mean, if everything were going great, I guess it wouldn't matter. But everywhere you look... The human family is begging, and I think of women as the mothers of the world, Absolutely. You know, whether you have your own children or your you know have nieces and nephews or whatever it is. we're all the mothers of the world of the human family yeah. and and we are um you know it's it's like a um dysfunctional family
0: you Absolutely. need that balance
1: between. Men and women.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying is that it really starts with awareness, just real recognition that this is happening, that we're bringing each other down when we, when we attack those that are successful, and, and that once we are aware, then we are able to change our actions, correct?
1: Yeah, we can, right, we can change it for ourselves. I mean, we can catch ourselves when we're doing those kinds of things. We can change it for ourselves, and we can um, call other women on it in a, in a good way in a supportive way, call other women on it. Because a lot of it, it's cultural. A lot of it is unconscious. It's behavior that we've seen around us. We could, you know, you're just kind of swimming in these toxic waters. And, um, you know, we have to, uh, you know, I, I'm i a very impatient person. You know, I, I want things uh, to to change, you know, when I see something's wrong. But, you know, culture changes slowly. But it does change. But it doesn't just happen, you know. We have to put our shoulders to the world, to the wheel and, and push it and make it happen.
0: I love that. And you mentioned that women are essentially mothers of the world, right, whether they're mothers uh, to children of their own or, yeah. or just in general. So tell me a little bit about when you decided to write the book. You were really at the top of your game at Ford, and you, deti- you decided to step back to write the book. Is that correct?
1: Well, I my um I went through a divorce when my yes. son was very very young. Um and then my son's father died when my son was 7 years old. Mm. And so I um I'm very much been a single mother pretty much um all of my son's life. And so I was always very conscious that I mean I was the sole support of our family. Absolutely. And so I was always very conscious that um I had a plan that um I wanted to, if I could possibly do it um become independent as an entrepreneur, a consultant working yes. for myself by the time my son hit his teens, and so I was very lucky to be able to um you know qualify for an early retirement with Ford Motor Company, which gave me the financial security to um to basically say, okay. I'm out. Of, I'll take that. You know. Wow. And um, you know that. Yeah, I mean that. That I was on a fast track, but to me, there's you know there's lots of interesting things to do in the world, and uh, I, I figured that there were other things that I could do, but I wanted to be able to control my schedule um, much more uh, with in, in terms of my son, and so I was very happy to be able to do that and um that's what i did and i and i planned it <laughs>
0: was it scary to jump into it's a big shift to become an entrepreneur i mean at least i found when i became an entrepreneur it was um a big jump for me maybe i, I was earlier and and didn't plan quite as well but i know for me it was really a a big a big jump i i felt it a lot were you, did were you nervous in doing it or did you feel just totally ready
1: well Well, I have to say that if you look at my career, um, you know, I look like a person who couldn't keep a job because, I mean, I changed multiple, (laughs) multiple times. You You evolved. (laughs) You you evolved. I love it. And, you know, I mean, when you're in television news, television radio and television news, I mean, you're always going to a bigger market. You know, you're never staying anywhere very long. You're always looking for the next job. Right. And I had... um, You know, to me, it's kind of like, uh, you know, weightlifting or muscle building. You know, you start with the small stuff and you you just keep getting stronger. So that I had um, gone through those kinds of changes multiple times by the time I um, made that decision for Ford. So it was really just one more transition for me.
0: Oh, I like that. So it's like you were working your risk and change muscle. I love that.
1: Yeah, I would right, and I really encourage people to do that. And, and I basically say, look at um, you know, the more you do it, uh, because I learned from doing that that every time I sort of jumped off the diving board into some deep water, deeper water, it always led to better things. And so I learned to trust myself in terms of that. And um, you know, there's there's a, you know, we all get to places where you sort of run into a wall. And it can be any kind of a wall. It can be it's not working in terms of your your family and your work. It can be a, a boss. It could be a situation where your work just isn't exciting anymore. There's all different kinds of walls, but I, I like to say you have to know when to hold them and when to fold them. And sometimes you just have to analyze it and say, well, let me let me push my way through this, you know, because it's worth it. I think that I can. There's there's still value here. And other times you say, you know what, I'm pounding my head against a wall and I'm going to do an end around as they do in football, you know, and I'm going to go around this. And that's when you fold them and go on to the next thing. I and love it. So I think the the earlier you, you have that mindset and learn to do that um, in small ways, every time you do it, you'll build confidence and, and build um, muscle. That is great advice,
0: and I know you describe yourself as a change agent. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and and some of the lessons that you've learned from that change? I know you just, you talked about kind of working that muscle. Any other any other focus on change that you want to address?
1: Well, one of the things that is really kind of a mantra of mine, and it came from my father, and it's very very simple, and it's uh, it it helps always with um, many many things, but certainly with being a change agent and. He always told us, I'm one of seven children, and he always told us, never eliminate yourself. And um, and my dad was a, an officer in the Navy. He was a professional athlete when he was younger. And um, so he knew a thing or two about winning and competing. And he would say to us, you know what, the world is a very competitive place. And if you aren't the best one for that job or for the team, um, people you will be eliminated. Others will eliminate you. But if you never go after it, you have eliminated yourself. Mm. Don't ever make that mistake. Never eliminate mm. yourself. And whether it's trying to change something that seems as if it can't be changed or um, or, or taking on um, a risk of being an entrepreneur, whatever it is that you kind of dream about, that there's a little voice inside of you that's kind of calling out for you to respond, Um, I, I always go back to that mantra, never eliminate yourself.
0: I absolutely love that advice. I love it. And tell me a little bit about powering up. I know we talked about some of the key, um, components of it and talking about the generations, but tell me about the book, how it came to be, how you, how you thought of writing it and, and where it is today.
1: Just because I've I've been tested in some interesting leadership laboratories, and yeah. uh, kind of, and I'm a writer, I'm a journalist uh, in my core. Uh, people always said to me, well, Ann, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I used to think, yeah, maybe, but, you know, my story really isn't enough. And I really started looking around, and to me, the story at that time that I wanted an answer for was, okay, we have become, in my professional lifetime, over the last 40 years or so, this nation of female high achievers. Mm. But nothing was happening in terms of cracking the top, that the middle kept getting bigger and bigger, and too few women were going anywhere we hadn't already been. So it was clear to me that we were stalled. And I wanted to know, what does it take for high achievers who've mastered all that stuff to make the leap to leadership? And so that was what I went looking for an answer. And, and I interviewed incredible women and I learned so much doing it. I have about a hundred hours of transcribed interviews with women. And to me, it was, it was leadership gold that had not been mined. Amazing. Because most of the leadership books have been written by men and, uh, and from the experience of men. But there's very little that's really been written in terms of saying, what are the themes? What are all those women that have been out there without a roadmap? What do they know? What have they learned? And um, that's what I was looking for. And, uh, and people would say to me, oh, you ought to interview so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Eventually, I got to a place where I said, you know what? I don't need to interview anybody else. I'm sure <laughs> they have great stories. But I know the story now. I know the core pieces of what, of what it takes, what are the, the next skills that an achiever needs to master next to become a leader, and I, kn- and I know the mistakes that we're making that are holding us back. And that's why I wrote the book, and I like to call it, um, it's a book for women who leaned in a long time ago. And I appreciate what Sheryl Sandberg has done, but she, in a lot of ways her book is really for younger women. And my book is kind of the graduate work. If you've mastered all that stuff uh, and you hear the call to leadership, then my book is is the graduate work. It's the next stuff.
0: I love that. I love that. So you already are the high achiever, and it's time
1: to take it to the next level and get into leadership. Right, right. And and you have to become a high achiever before you can lead. You bet. You, you know, of you course. have to master all that stuff. Nobody's going to follow of you course. until you master all that stuff.
0: Of course. And so, you know? and tell me, as you became an author, I, I would imagine that social media and kind of your personal brand became an important piece of, of your strategy, right?
1: Yes, yes. Social media is obviously absolutely essential if you're, um, you know, trying to to be a voice, if you want to um, be a change agent and to reach people. And certainly if you write a book and you want, if you spend three years writing the book and you think it has value, (laughs) you want people to find it among the thousands, millions that are out there. And so I, I definitely use social media. And a great um, you know, I use Facebook. I I have a website. I have a YouTube channel um, with videos. I I use LinkedIn. I probably don't use it as much as I should. I I use Facebook. I have a personal Facebook that I tend to use really just for my huge family and uh, mm-hmm. close friends. And then I have a public Facebook uh, for powering up women. Yeah, which I use as really a source of a lot of the latest research and articles and things of interest, uh, definitely trends specifically related to um, that whole topic. And the other thing that's really fun for me is that because of social media um, and the Internet and all of that is I often have, um, you know, I hear from people, I mean, they're like a cold call, you know, or, or an out-of-the-blue email or a contact that someone finds you and um, I, I get them from a lot of very young women who are in school right now, in the universities and even in high school, who want to be sports broadcasters and are doing research and writing papers. And I connect. Uh, I, I love talking to them. I always talk to them. And uh, I also connect them to one another so that I say, listen, you, you're you the next generation. You need to support one another and, and help one another because there's lots of jobs out there. And then um, I've also met some incredible women from all over the world because of that. So it's opened up the world to us.
0: I love that. And I know you speak at a lot of events. In fact, you have one coming up at the U.S. State Department, correct?
1: Yes, this Friday I'm actually um, the keynote speaker. They're having their annual Women's Equality Day celebration now, Women's Equality Day is actually August 26th, which is the anniversary of American women getting the right to vote. Yes. And um, so, but because everyone's on vacation in Washington, D.C. in August, they're celebrating it this Friday. So it's a, uh, they have a network of women at uh, the State Department, and they have three generations. It started out as, um, by the, the pioneering interlopers, you know, the highest level women, the the more seasoned women, and it's called Executive Women at State. And then what happened once they started that, that next middle group of women said, well, we want to be part of that. And they said, well, you should start your own and get to know one another and help one another. And then, of course, the, the youngest women just coming in right. um, to the State Department did the same thing. And so they have three generations there, and occasionally they all get together. And um, so I'm speaking to that group uh, and also women from the Department of Civil Rights.
0: And so when you're speaking, what, what advice do you really offer to women? And, and we have a lot of young listeners, so young women in particular, who are kind of starting out in their careers and starting out on the path um, towards adulthood, really. What, what advice do you have for them?
1: Well, the interesting thing is when they invited me to come in and speak, and, of course, we they'd read my book and we talked about, uh, and I've done some traveling for them, so they have a sense of um, a lot of my different topics. And um, I gave them a number of topics that we could talk about, and they zeroed right in on the title of my remarks are um, Leadership Missing Links. Hmm. Stop Fixing Women. Stop Fixing Women. Start engaging men. That's, um, that's the, they said that's what we want you to talk about right there. And I really believe that um, on, on the one hand, we've spent 40 years or more fixing women, teaching women how to play the game and <laughs> act more like men right. in the workforce. Right. And we're all done. We're all <laughs> done fixing women. And, uh, you know, the, the the piece now is for women to understand and embrace something I call womaninity, which is a parallel to masculinity, uh. understand that we bring strength to leadership and that thinking like a man is no longer a compliment and, uh, you know, that we need to, you know, have confidence that we bring something to the table in terms of uh, leadership, that that men don't don't bring just because of who we are. And the other piece is that we cannot do it alone. We will never, ever close the gender gaps unless without men's support. Mm. Because I also like to say that men still hold most of the keys to the leadership locker room doors. They still hold over 80% of the leadership roles in every professional arena everywhere. Um, and so we need more men, uh, you know, in the game with us. You know, pretty much the the years of men actively blocking our paths, yep. which women of my generation have lots of stories about. Th- those are pretty much behind us, and um, and we've had a couple of decades of men kind of standing on the sidelines, supporting us and cheering us on. But the next piece is we need men. Um, standing up and saying, okay, I get it. There are cultural gender headwinds that women have to push their way through that men don't. How can What can I do? How can I help? Yep. And so I'm up. talking to, and I will talk to them about uh, several, and that's my next book. I'm interviewing men right now. Ooh, I We're love that. Powerful positions. Powerful positions who are Uh, doing something about it, basically saying, um, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. There's an organization of men in Australia, and I met them um, at a conference in Paris this June. 26 CEOs of the biggest corporations in Australia, including the military, who have come together to form male champions of change. And I was talking to one of them, interviewing him, and I said to him, well, gosh, this is incredible what all of you are doing in your own companies and speaking and all that, but what advice do you have for women who, um, in terms of how we can talk to other men and engage men in this? And he actually said to me, I'm not sure there's anything women can do, that this is men's work, Hmm. that men have to engage other men in this as a leadership issue for men. Wow. That's, <laughs> so, I and I, I agree can, and I think I think we can do things. We should look for those men. That's pretty and their incredible. Fathers of daughters. You know, there there are growing numbers of men it's who um are paying attention to this, sense it, care about it, and want to raise their hands to help.
0: Awesome. Well Anne, I look forward to reading your new book and I hope everyone goes out and gets powering up <laughs> how America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. And it was just such a pleasure to have you on the show. And Anne, if where should people follow you or find you? Where's the best place to go?
1: Well, they can definitely uh go to my website, yep. which is an Doyle dot com. And um if they buy buy my book through my website, I, I always sign them and can personalize them, Uh but they can certainly get my book through Amazon and iBooks and Kindle and all of that. And I also have a Facebook page, which is Powering Up Women, which is a great source of um, the hottest stuff that's going on in terms of um, cracking cracking the top and closing the leadership gender gaps.
0: Terrific, Anne, and it was just such a great honor to have you on the show. Thank you for all that you've done um, for the women that are currently entering in positions today and and in the workforce, and we're just
1: so grateful. Oh, well, just keep it going. I just want you to go faster and further than we did.
0: That's it. Here we go. All right. Thanks, Anne. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at
1: likeable.com.